Here we go with part two of our interview with Dion Wilson discussing comic books, NFTs. This is a follow-up to last week's episode. We're even going to learn more about the metaverse, blockchain, and web 3.0. You know, these could be kind of complicated topics they have for me, but that's why we needed to have him back for part two, right? That's right. And we can imagine with all that's going on in the world of marketing creativity, there's going to be much to learn from part one and part two. Hi, everyone. Hope you've been having a wonderfully creative week. I'm Rod Jones, and we celebrate what people love to do creatively by giving them a voice so you can learn from their experiences in life. Yes, and I'm Ingie Jones. Welcome to Thought Row Podcast. We invite you to subscribe wherever you listen, and we focus on sharing with everyone how they can think, be, and live more creatively with their own passions. Okay, Angie, so tell us more about our guest today. This is part two. That's right. Our guest today is Dion Wilson, and we're having him back for part two, like Rod said, of our conversation with him. He's the founder of Rastar Technologies, Hero Ledger, and Titanium Comics. I know Dion is very knowledgeable and has some interesting opinions on NFTs and the metaverse, to say the least, yeah. and protecting creative intellectual property. But let's hear your quote, and I'm anxious to see if you can make it fit this episode. <laughs> yes, I actually did. So, okay, here's the quote. The wisdom of the crowds has peaked. Web 3.0 is taking what we've built in Web 2.0, the wisdom of the crowds, and putting an editorial layer of it on truly talented, compensated people to make the product more trusted and refined. And that is by Jason McCabe Calacanis, and he's an entrepreneur, angel investor, author, and a podcaster. You know, I've heard of him, and I think this quote is excellent for this episode, mm -hmm. but why don't you share with all of us a little bit about who this gentleman is? Yes, I, I wanted to look him up to give you a little more info about him, and I looked him up on Wikipedia. And this is what it said. It says his first company was part of the dot-com era in New York and his second venture, Web Blogs, Inc., a publishing company that he co-founded together with Brian Alvey, capitalized on the growth of blogs before being sold to AOL. And he's an angel investor in various technology startups. Uh, you know what I like about Jason? Yeah. He's a fellow podcaster. Oh, that's true. He is. Well, you know, let's go on and listen to what Dion Wilson has to say in part two of our interview. Hi, Dion. Welcome back to round two of your interview. You shared so much with our first interview. We were really excited to see if we couldn't have you back. And you know what? You agreed to come back. So that was yes. fabulous. Hi, Dion. This is a first for us at Thought Road Podcast because we're really glad that you agreed to come back for a second interview back to back to continue the conversation. Hey, Rod, Angie, I appreciate you guys having me back. You know, knowing that I'm the first person you've interviewed <laughs> twice. Yes. <laughs> That's cool. You know, setting, setting a little bit of a trend there. I like that. And uh, I really enjoyed our first conversation. 
We're definitely looking forward to the conversation. You shared some really interesting information, and that just it just made sense to have you back. But you know, although we're going to encourage everyone to listen to that interview, Mm -hmm. and so far we know a lot of people are very interested in it because they've told us they are. Mm -hmm. But it might be helpful, Dion, if you would reshare just a little bit about Titanium Comics, Rastar, and Hero Ledger. Absolutely. So again. In 2010, I started Titanium Comics. That was my foray into the indie or independent comic publishing scene. And about five years into that journey, I began to see just how many creators and talents there are, not just here in the U.S., but globally. Mm -hmm. And I began to question what value I was really bringing to a market that already had really great characters and stories and, and creators. Uh, the creators are great too. Mm-hmm. And so I, I then began to say, well, the lesson that I learned early on was, you know, to be valuable, you've got to solve problems. Mm-hmm. So that's when I started to formulate what would become raster technologies, but formulate a solutions business and looking at the problems that independent creators were having, you know, really getting to the the most important, you know, issues that they have Mm -hmm. and thinking about what would be the vehicle to solve those problems. And so that, you know, 2015, new team, new mission, new goals, and that that brought us to Raster and it brought us to a point where we've now created Hero Ledger, our first blockchain based application mm-hmm. and marketplace for comic creators and individual artists to really take advantage of the technologies that are out there to help with their long term needs. You know, you came up with a phrase. In fact, I think you guys trademarked it. Comic Assets. Could you talk about that yes. a little bit? Absolutely. So, yes, that is a term we created. And I like to, you know, get to the, you know, the bone marrow there. It's a fancy term, really. It was a term to differentiate how we were talking to creators and what we were talking about compared to what's talked about. And essentially, a comic asset is any IP that a creator designs that is intended to be used in a comic book. It can also be used in, you know, motion comic or physical comic book in an animated film or story. Mm -hmm. And essentially it's going to be the characters. It's going to be the background images, graphic designs, logos. And When we talk about an asset, we're really talking about production assets. So things that are going to be used to produce some type of media entertainment. Yeah, that's what a uh, comic asset is. Hmm, Well, it's a follow up on that. You have a good question, Angie. Well, you know, I know that um, you wrote an article about the multiverse, comic assets and NFT asymmetrics. Tell us about the marketplace you've created for ownership of real artistic intellectual property. Sure thing, Angie. So just to give an idea here, non-fungible tokens. Mm -hmm. You know, I want want to state this first. I I have to do this disclaimer. 
non-fungible tokens have great utilitarian value. Unfortunately, the current hype cycle we're in, we're not able to really see what their complete, or I should say what a decent utility they can be at this at this time. There's your NFT providers and platforms are selling and marketing the idea and the process in a very linear way. Art NFTs in particular are really about being collectibles. And if you're lucky, you could make a lot of money on them. Mm -hmm. But there's new information out that shows that the values have gone down some 50%. But to kind of cut over... Oh, yeah, absolutely. To cut over to what we're doing, when we talk about hero ledger, we talk about comic assets. We're really talking about production value, not collective value. We're talking about associating the digital file to the actual work itself, not a representation of a representation of a representation of the work. Mm-hmm. Where we're talking about on, on our side, when we talk about comic assets and we talk about Hero Ledger as a marketplace, we're talking about a tool that hits several touch points, licensing, auction, selling, buying, brand recognition, monetization, effective collaboration. These are things that are not just, you know, trends. And I, I think that in some ways they kind of trendy, but they are the need, they work to fulfill the needs of comic creators today. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So really there, there's some differences between, you know, what we do and, and the NFT market. The, the NFT market, when we talk about art, is really just focused on, you know, a digital representation that might be worth something. We're not talking about what these creators are doing in their regular day-to-day process of, you know, whether they, you know, paint on oil canvas and need to sell those, or they're, again, you know, creating those comics and they're, you know, putting that comic out each and every month as a series. They speak more towards something that's novel and not towards helping those creators to really take advantage of the business that they're in. Very well put. And I envision someone who creates comics and he's sitting there, he's doing his illustrations, and then he's illustrating for a comic book or for other media. Do those comics actually take their work and convert it to an NFT and then try to market it that way? Well, if you're referring to our system, it doesn't quite work that way. But for NFTs, you know, that's going to be really a process that the software developer or whoever's facilitating the development of that NFT and the marketing, you know, and and the design of it, they're going to have their own way at that. I couldn't tell you because there are a number of ways you could essentially do that. But for our system, what I can tell you is that a creator who has many iterations of a character or a background image or even a script, they're going to largely put that on the shelf. And we know that it's not making any money for them there. 
they know it. But, you know, they're thinking, of, you know, they're kind of playing it forward. They're thinking about what they do now, and what where that can take them as opposed to what they did. And so we're saying there's so much value in what they've done. Let's put that into a marketplace where it can help to make someone else's production more effective or more efficient. Mm -hmm. It can be seen and recognized. It can make them some money. You know, they can license it. And so we're really about that. We're about the creator having more control over what they do and what they have and getting the most out of it. You know, it's kind of like uh, George Washington Carver and the peanut, all the different inventions yeah, that came sure. from it. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, we believe in treating the comic book that way. You know, when we looked at the business very early, when we were in that, you know, that period of forming Raster and, and solving problems, we recognized that the industry of comic books had gone so far away from comic books. It was into everything else. And we felt that we would have to come back to the very instrument that, you know, that has the value that is the centerpiece for all these other things that are happening, such as, you know, the, the movies and conventions and all these things. It's given of itself and, and it's lost a lot, I think. And so when we come back to it, we realize that every character, every word, every you know, visual effect, it's valuable. It has social and it has financial value. And so much so that it almost makes the price of a comic, or I shouldn't say the price of a comic, but the production price of a comic, what the creator pays, right. it makes that you know, kind of fail in comparison because one character could make you millions, essentially. And a comic, even when it sells, you know, hundreds of thousands of, of issues, which doesn't happen today, mm -hmm. it still won't necessarily do what that one, that one work inside of that entire book could do. And so we said there's some magic there that we want to really learn about and create a method and a formula and give that back to creators so that they could take advantage of it. And they're taking advantage of sense. it because you're also helping them license their, their creative assets. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, one of the things when it, when it comes to licensing, when it comes to a lot of these processes, they are mired in legal representation, cost, a body of knowledge that most of us don't don't know and probably won't have time to learn. And when we get right down to it, our ability to transact with one another can be straightforward. And, and we're living in a time today where it is about direct to consumer. And so if our consumer happens to be a, a manufacturer of T-shirts and they need a character to go on that T-shirt, yeah, that's why not create exactly why not create an environment where we can make it easy and accessible for everyone to get what they need and, and make those exchanges through, you know, through a platform. I mean, we do it every day when we shop on Amazon or, you know, we use a, a program like Canva or anything else. Before I get into the next question, because you kind of touched on it in the answer that you just gave us about smart contracts. It's another term that you and your partners use, smart contracts. 
What is that about? Yes. Okay, so smart contracts, and we didn't create that term. I, I have to <laughs> I have oh, to bring okay. that forward. Yeah, we didn't create the term smart contracts. Smart contracts are programs that were created a long time ago, in fact. I believe even before this time period we're in that we refer to as distributed ledger technology and, and blockchain. But those are basically programs which are responsible for managing transactions between, you know, one or more people and some type of digital representation or digital asset. So a smart contract, essentially, you can program it to be aware of time. You know, it can have a duration, you know, the time to start and the time to finish, an amount to be paid and to who it should be paid to and where it should go. They're fairly sophisticated in a sense in that they literally manage the contractual process of the way that people would without people, essentially. And so smart contracts underline most distributed ledger platforms and, you know, tokens and and tokens. You um, mentioned you know, tokens. And I think you also use the term tokenized. Right. Yeah. To tokenize something simply means to, you know, take something that exists physically or even something digitally and give it a digital representation. That's one of the definitions. Obviously, tokens exist as two-factor authentication, you know, anytime you you see on your computer or online and it says, hey, you know, enter your mobile device, your mobile phone number, and we're going to send you a number and you're going to input that number after you enter your password. That's two-factor authentication. Those are tokens. Anytime you're, you know, a token is, is an item of recognition, you know, a means to, you know, get from one point to the other in a sense. And so, when we talk about tokenizing a an asset, you know, whether it's it's a comic book or a character, we're talking about putting it with a layer of code where a system recognizes it and then works to manage it at that point and make it available for any users that is programmed to do so. Okay. I mean, the reason why I asked you that word, actually, I needed to know more about it, <laughs> but I know our listeners, whenever I, I ask you about some of these terms, it helps them have a better understanding or kind of grasp some of the things you're saying, mm-hmm. um, which are all very sure. interesting. You know, the term metaverse was coined by Neil Stephenson in 1992 science fiction novel Snow Crash, where humans as programmable avatars interact with each other and software agents in a three-dimensional virtual space that uses the metaphor of being the real world. I had to read all that. If you, if you I, know, I know you well, I, I know you have an informed opinion on how the word metaverse is being tossed around today. And virtually all of our listeners and all the people we've had mm-hmm. on the podcast have all talked about that, if not on the podcast, off the podcast, because there's a lot of confusion as to do they embrace it, don't they embrace it? We'd like to know what your thoughts are. Well, I, I thank you, Rod and Angie, for that question because you know, it is really something that that needs to be addressed and has been addressed, in fact, but it's going to take the curious to, you know, and then the skeptics to really take a look. When we talk about things like NFTs, metaverse, 
smart contracts, the blockchain, you know, distributed ledger technology. We've been getting this picture of a very specific picture from the media. And as humans, we need something to work from. We need to, you know, as, as an organizational psychologist told me years ago, you know, we have to put a face to things. But sometimes when we do that, we do it to our detriment. You see, blockchain-based technologies, distributed ledger technologies, metaverse as being a next stage are based on principles. They're principles-oriented. So when we talk about a blockchain, when we say the word blockchain, it, it, we use it as an umbrella term, but it, it doesn't properly represent the entire landscape of distributed ledger technology. And But that, that word really symbolizes a set of principles. And the same thing can be said for the word metaverse. Metaverse is not a virtual reality space. Metaverse is a set of principles in software design, in collaboration, in transactions, okay, and the results they yield. A gentleman by the name of Tony uh, Parisi wrote just, I think, the most succinct message and blog about you know, metaverse. And the name of his blog is it's on Medium. It's called The Seven Rules of the Metaverse. Hmm. And essentially, he breaks down the seven principles. And when you understand it as principles, you're no longer looking to go out and buy a VR goggle and, you know, plug into this place or that place or this, mm -hmm. you know, this group's widget or that group's widget. You are looking for a specific result in how you transact in the tools that you use for those transactions, as well as collaborate. So that we've been getting a lot of hype where more information is needed. And let, let's be honest. I mean, I imagine somebody's probably going to sleep listening to me. <laughs> well, I have to say one thing about the metaverse. We all know who's out there sure. promoting it and pushing it out into the universe. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. and that's, you know, that's okay. More power to them. But what I think it has done is it's kind of dummied down the term. And I can understand why you would do that. So it's more readily digestible by people just to say, oh, well, the metaverse is a way that I can share what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. where I'm playing golf or something. And it's way more complicated than that. And you also mentioned blockchain. Do you think you sure. could give us just yeah. a real quick, because I know our listeners, not everybody knows what blockchain is. Could you just give us a real quick definition of blockchain? Well, yes, I can give you a really fast one. A blockchain is a database. It's that simple. <laughs> well, that's, that's, I understand that. You know, it's really that simple, but there are other complexities that, that go along with that. Mm -hmm. You see, it's the type of database that it is because there, there are several in the, in the world, in the ecosystem of databases, there are all types of databases that do all types of things. A blockchain database is pretty specific and they can vary. You can have different types or different architecture styles for your database and those databases not only just are used to store information, 
but it's how they not only process information, but, you know, provide it, different things that they do with the information. And so, and the different types of information that they utilize. Okay. So a blockchain is a database. Yeah. All right. That makes sense. Okay. That's a real mm-hmm. simple way of putting it. I, you I mean, hear so many things about blockchain now, but I don't know that I understood it as that way. Well, it's always associated yeah. with some specific right. agenda or program. Right. Yeah. Right. So exactly. you have to kind of go through the weeds there a little bit. Yeah. But, Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. Sure. Well, we know that you and your associates have developed a program that virtually any creative person could benefit from, Dion. But we're not here to sell your service, but there seems to be some definite advantages over NFTs, as you stated earlier. Can you give us some comparisons on that? Absolutely. Off the bat, licensing opportunities for both sides of the deal. Mm-hmm. NG, if you have a you know, T-shirt company and, you know, you manufacture these T-shirts, but you feel like just putting those T-shirts out there plain is not going to work, then you're able to come to Hero Ledger and you're able to go to that marketplace there and license an image of some type Uh to include. And that creator has arranged it so that the pricing, the time of use, the use case itself all works with their business model and hopefully yours, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's one. The other is that hero ledger when, you know, our focus is on comic creators, the independent comic creators, but we see that the way that visual media and music even are created are similar to the way that comic books are created. And so, you know, they all have, I should say, some very universal parts in producing their works. Mm -hmm. And so we see how Hero Ledger can be of advantage to not just the comic industry, but indie gaming, film and television, you know, cosplay, even sports. So that's another area. Our platform is about using the current technology that's available to the individual Mm -hmm. in a way that allows them to make more decisions about what they have for themselves, manage it for themselves in ways that will get them the best business outcomes and even social outcomes that they would typically want to receive when they you know, use their products or even work for someone else. If I, let's say I have a t-shirt company and I'm looking to license some characters, comic book characters, would I come to your company? Yeah, we hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The idea is that you, you wouldn't so much come to the company, but you know, it's the same thing. If we, you were to ask the question, well, I need to store some of my files. Would I go to Google? No, you're going to have access them. And for characters, you're going to access us through Hero Ledger. So that's going to happen online through the application. We're in the process of becoming distributed. And that's actually a process. You know, in other words, when, when we talk about being distributed, 
we're basically saying that you will not need to rely on our central system to run the program. You will be able to run the program very similar to how people participate with the blockchain, right? The first blockchain, you mm-hmm. know, it's a distributed system where it's, you don't have to rely on one server and, and one group of people. There are so many users that each user's participation and access to the ledger assist every other user. And so we're working towards that as well. But right now it's centralized and you will be able to log on. You will be able to access through your mobile device online or your mobile device and use the, the system for, you know, again, buying, selling, licensing. And then one of the things that we're going to add in the future is auctions. Oh, that's nice. Oh, but I good. could, so I could go in there and I could search a character based on a profile that I might want to use even the animation as part of a TV commercial. Absolutely. So, so has Netflix the, called you yet? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they haven't yet. We do look forward to talking to Netflix. In fact, no, I mean we really do. It, well, it, yeah, it, is I mean, it would make sense because everybody's yeah. looking for uh, new, fresh, yeah, new, fresh material. Yeah. The, the content. They, everybody's yeah. looking for content, and it looks to me like you would be presenting some content that never has really seen the light of day. If a creator has been creating this for the last several years, and he's got a bunch of stored images or whatever from film clips, everything on computers. And it's just sitting there basically collecting dust. You're giving it an opportunity. This is what I understand. You're giving it an opportunity to get out in the world and people have the opportunity to license it or buy it outright, whatever. Is that correct? Yeah, I I couldn't have said it better, Rod. Uh, I think you, I think you covered it. You know, the, the hero ledger marketplace is like any other online marketplace that we are used to using. The seller is going to input, you know, their data, their information about the product, and it's going to have a representation in the store. The buyer, the licensee, is going to see that information and pay for the use or the ownership. And... At that point, that transaction has been made like, you know, we go to an Amazon and and buy, you know, an item there. Same same thing. I think this is a little bit faster than Amazon in oh, that sure. these are digital goods and there's no need to send anything in the mail. Mm-hmm. You know, so you, you get it a lot faster. You don't have to depend on mail. You're just really dependent on bandwidth. So so, yes. You know, and we believe in both sides of the equation. So we definitely want a lot of people there to sell. But we also are having conversations with people who buy and license because, again, there are a lot of opportunities for them to, you know, speed up their process and also lower their cost in their production. When things are already done for you, it just makes it easier. Yeah, that's you, can, you know. Very rich content. Yeah, and you have those features. Yeah. Absolutely. You have those features that you can, you know, filter, you know, based on genre, based on, you know, product types and, you know, get to what you need. You know, I know a lot of our listeners and our, ourselves included are artists. And, I, and right now I'm thinking of one particular sculptor whose work is 
incredible. And that's a whole beautiful process that she goes through in creating them. And I think there's something that would look absolutely perfect on a T-shirt. And they actually are characters in themselves. Each one of her sculptors could really be a character. Would that be somebody your firm would represent? I'm not sure. How does somebody get involved with you if they want to? Well, as an example, oh, if, if they want to contact us to understand how their artistic work can be bought, licensed, or sold through Hero Ledger, they definitely can reach out, you know, info at raster.io. But let me state that we function from a place of the same files that everyone else uses. So text files, art files, or excuse me, image files, video, audio. Now, you mentioned sculpture. And we know that, you know, not they're not as ubiquitous as we, you know, thought they were going to be in 2015. But, of course, there's 3D printing. Mm-hmm. And those 3D printing files are everything from CAD files to other types, but they're image files. And so our system deals with image files where it can be included in a comic, that particular sculpture you mentioned, or there could be a replica as a 3D print. So there are opportunities for 3D printing of the visual items that are represented as files in the in Hero Ledger in the marketplace. That's a great answer. So I, I know there's yeah, a few people I know that are going to be listening mm-hmm. to this. They're going to love that answer. Definitely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we try to see our focus was on solving long-term problems that the independent comic creators around the world face. So, you know, we had time to think and we didn't take that responsibility lightly because a lot of people were consulted. A lot of, you know, a lot of, even a lot of mistakes were made. So there was a whole process. Sure. So that we could, we could, you know, get the idea down where, you know, like I've said, you know, these creators have been around really for almost 100 years. Mm-hmm. They've existed as long as some of the largest brands. Not, you know, consistently that way, but they've, they've existed in and around the same times, you know, and come and gone, of course, but as small, you know, small groups. Sure. And... Yeah. They're going to be around another hundred years. Yeah. And the, maybe another thousand. And their content is evergreen. Absolutely. So we wanted to create solutions that would be with them along their journey and well, create looks, solutions where they, they didn't have to be as dependent well, on it, it looks like the large industries. I know you put a lot of effort mm-hmm. into this, you and your team, and you have created the solutions. And it's going to be exciting to see how everything evolves. I want to ask you this, uh, you. because Thought Row Podcast is all about encouraging creative thinking and the execution or development of creative thoughts and ideas. Kind of goes with our name. Yep. What has your life's journey taught you Dion, about being creative? Wow. You know, I would say, what has it taught me about being creative? It's taught me that there's another part to the person, you know, without, I guess, being, you know, sounding too, you know, 
religious or spiritual. Mm-hmm. There's it really is. I mean, I, I think it's a it's a spiritual part to us. I think it's a our creativity really allows us to evolve. It it allows us to take things that you know are around us and reshape them to new things and that causes new experiences and i think through new things new experiences we gain you know we we grow and that growth could could lead us to just a really phenomenal place Right. So, That's a you know, answer. such a good answer. Yeah, Thanks. it really is. Well, you know, for some of our listeners, much of what you've shared with us today is going to require a little bit of processing, I think, because it's so much information. Could you sum up your philosophy on protecting and perpetuating intellectual properties? Sure, sure thing, Angie. So this is the rule that I work from. I don't think that any business that's not a law firm or an individual that's an attorney should overemphasize that one process or another is going to protect their intellectual property. Mm -hmm. So where we function from is the one place that I believe is, is legally safe, and that's attestation. It is our job to help creators to register their works, to account for those works, and in turn, that that record will help their legal team to prove their ownership in the court of law. We believe that that is the only place that the true ownership of intellectual property can be determined, as in by a judge's word. Anything else is a process that helps to protect, but cannot fulfill that on its own. There there are too many uh, moving pieces there. Mm -hmm. And so we believe that attestation is one of a really great one and a really necessary one. And one that we can provide for, you know, I mean, pennies on the dollar. Mm. Okay. That's, yeah. that's really good info. I think you, I think it's great info. Yeah. Deanne, I know for you, it all started with your love of comic books. And, and when people listen to the, our first yeah. interview with you, they'll have a better understanding of that. But ultimately that led you to developing a formidable way of protecting creativity Looking back now, is there anything you would you would have done differently as you look back over this journey? <laughs> I think we all do yeah. that. Oh yeah. You know, that question is is really interesting. Just to give some context if if I can, I'll I'll be quick. On one of my first podcast interviews, I was asked about going to the past or going to the future. And I like to go to the future. Mm-hmm. I think that we we do learn a lot from processing what has happened in the past, so long as we can remember it properly. But we we can learn a lot. I would have to say that if I had done anything different, 
then I, I would not be at this moment, perhaps. Now, if, if we really believe in multiverses and yeah, <laughs> you right. know, parallel dimensions, then there are a number of things that could have happened and the results can end up the same way or different. So I don't say that there's anything that I would change. I, I definitely wouldn't say that because the outcome, I, I would have no idea what the outcome would be. Maybe me saying that, well, if we had done more of this or less of that, that maybe the outcome wouldn't have been Hero Ledger. Maybe it, it would have been, say, just a weekly podcast, you know, or it would have been, you know, a T-shirt business or something, you mm -hmm. know. And I'm not knocking any of those things. Those things are, you know, all necessary. We, we, we need those things for commerce. Right. But you just never know where you change something in the past, what will be the result in the future? So I, I don't really do that. I like to stay with, okay, I did what I did and I'm where I am. And so if I want something different in the future, then I have to exercise a different set of skills, use a different, you know, maybe different resources in my network and, you know, planning in the present to potentially get the outcome that I want mm -hmm. in the future. Mm -hmm. So so that's how I would answer that. Well, that's a great answer because we all move. We should all be thinking forward instead of in reverse. And sometimes it's just trial and error. You know, you test one thing, you get a lot of feedback, and that feedback is extremely valuable and helps us make better sure. decisions. And then we hopefully leapfrog from that decision to the next one. And then we look back maybe a tiny bit and say, wow, that was a good decision. And now we're moving in the direction that I had hoped. Also, I think what happens when you started this you probably did immediately recognize how incredible it ultimately could be. I think you're probably looking at it now and saying, this has been quite a journey. We've really accomplished a lot and, and a very valuable service, it appears to me. Well, thank you. Yes, I am always in awe about the team that we have, you know, the, the multiverse team, which mm -hmm. is our forward facing business. And it's building the community, having those discussions with creators and, and potential partner brands, as well as existing brands and the raster team, which is developing that software and literally pushing to accomplish our 25 year plan. You know, without that team, I don't think, you know, any of this would be possible with without you know, without you guys, this wouldn't be possible, you know. So, you know, again, I, I, I can't name anything in the past that I would change, but I'm glad we are where we are. And we do look to be here for a long time and have considerable impact in the future of the comic and art ecosystems. For sure. Yeah, well, I'm sure. Yeah. Go ahead, Edgy. I know she's got a question. Well, she's you know, dying to ask. I'm trying to ask you because I would. Yeah. I really want to know your answer, and that is, what is the best definition when it comes to yourself, and what would you re recommend to others when it comes to perseverance? <laughs> That's a tough question. A Don't ever ask me one. that I question. Know. I know it's hard, but well, like, I, I like that question. <laughs> I was just thinking, you know, the, the the one side of my head says, you know 
find a room where you can go and scream and nobody can hear you come out and straighten yourself out, straighten yourself out, no problem. But I would say, you know, how you define yourself Mm -hmm. and, you know, take that personal and that private time to yourself to interact with that identity, that version of yourself in its organic environment. You know, there's a part of each of us, maybe even several parts of each of us that has its own environment it thrives best in. Right. And the part of myself that I reserve for myself and, and you know, you share very little with others, if, if at all, I put that self into an environment you know, a mental environment and sometimes a physical environment. It means traveling to certain places too, you know, that it is most comfortable and that it, you know, is able to commune with with that environment, with self and anyone in that environment. So preservance is about that deeper you getting the time that it needs to just be healthy and and whole. And to do that, you have to identify what part of the self that is and what environment it's at home in and make sure that you're connecting it to that, not necessarily all the time, but as as much as you possibly can. Great answer. That's a really good answer. Thank you, Dion. Thank you. And I knew it was a good idea to have you on a second time. Yes. And (laughs) and I also want to say, Ingen, I'm so glad we had the opportunity to have you the second time on a podcast. And it's probably important to talk about the fact that your vision for one of the best ways to utilize technology for producing, protecting, and giving control back to many forms of creativity I think that's kind of exciting. I don't I don't know of Thank any you. other platform or anything yeah. else that's going on out there. And when we're fairly aware of what's going on, you really have created something special here. Thank you. Thank you, Rod. Thank you, Angie, yes. uh, you know, for having me and for seeing what we want creators to see. And we want them to appreciate their sales. You know, what we're seeing is that there's a lot of you know, just naturally because of how they've come into the industry, there's a lot of kind of promotion of the larger companies mm-hmm. over their own creativity. And and we want them to get back to, you know, get back to self, you know, get, get back to what they're doing and understand that there's just a tremendous amount of social and financial value there. And so we're, we're just creating tools that are an eco chamber, uh, excuse me, an echo chamber, not an eco chamber, but an ecosystem, but an mm-hmm. echo chamber of those things. The world wants to see something different. And it's not going to come from the larger companies unless they work with us, but you know, yeah, it's not going to come go. from the larger companies. There you go. <laughs> True. Well, you know, it's going to come from the individuals. Yeah. Well, anyway. Yeah. I don't, we might have to have him on a third time. I know, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. but hey, I, I did you. it with Carmen Crusaders. <laughs> have me back whenever you guys want. I'm happy, okay. happy to talk about other aspects of technology. We're, we've got uh, a collaborative platform that we're working on for comic creators. And we've got some, you know, platform we're working on for comic collectors. So there, there's a lot more to the multiverse cloud environment and, 
I'm happy to talk about those things or or whatever area of business and art you guys want to talk about. Perfect. Okay, great. Okay, Thank so, you, Dion. Yeah. It was so good to have you with us today. And for our listeners that would like to know more about you, we'll have links for Dion under the show guest tab on thoughtrowpodcast.com so everyone can learn more about him and please connect with him on social media and check out his website. Yeah, there's a lot of information here and he has more on his website. Yes, definitely. Well, thank you again, thank Dion. You. Absolutely. Also, if you're enjoying our podcast, both Rod and I would really appreciate you buying us a cup of coffee. Just go to thoughtrow.com, scroll down a bit, and you can find that link right on our website on the homepage. It's really easy to do, by the way. Yes, it is. And all the money we receive goes to our production costs. Yep. And primarily because we want to keep our show commercial free. And we want to continue to bring you the best quality content with great guests. That's right. Thank you for listening to Thought Row Podcast. I'm really glad you tuned in today. We hope you enjoyed the thoughts and ideas we shared with you. We post a new podcast every week, so remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. So it's bye for now from my husband Rod and I, wishing everyone a great day. 